Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Welcome to WTIC's Pet Talk. Today, Lori Fast takes your pet behavior questions. This is a show for you and your best friend. Call in now at 522-WTIC, 1-800-966-WTIC, or star WTIC from your cell phone if you have AT&T Wireless. And now, Pet Talk. Hello, and welcome to this week's edition of Pet Talk. Um, my name is Lori Fass, and I'm here on this behavior edition of Pet Talk to answer whatever questions you might have. I primarily deal with dogs, but I do also deal with cats and um, sometimes other pets as it comes up and is appropriate. As a matter of fact, I wanted to have a conversation with people today about rats and I'm going to tell you why in a in a in a bit here but if you want to call into the show and you have a question or something that you'd like to share I'd love to hear from you and the numbers here are 1-800-966-WTIC or 860-522-WTIC so I made a funny kind of comment I think most people when they think about rats think of them as pests and things that carry disease and things you want to get rid of. Um, but I recently read an article where a rat was awarded a gold medal and was a, they were actually calling it a hero rat. So naturally, I wanted to find out more information. What, what was up with that? Because, um, you know, you think of a hero rat, what's that going to be? Some little street rat comes and saves the day when somebody gets in trouble. But no, not, not, not that. Actually, there's a breed of rat that is called um, an African giant pouched rat. Uh, it's also known as a magawa. And they are pretty big for a rat, I guess. They're about two feet long from nose to tail. And they're being bred and also trained to detect land mines. And the accuracy and the speed with which they detect land mines um, far exceeds the ability that a person would have to do this. And um, there was uh, this one little rat uh, who I think his name was Magawa. I think I got that wrong. He he was a uh, a giant, um, one of these African giant pouched rats. And what they do is they put them through very extensive 
training. So they start with them when they're just maybe six weeks old and they start getting them used to different surfaces. And uh, I think the training process itself is a, is a nine-month process and the rat has to prove 100% that it can find, without fail, a landmine. And once it's done that and succeeded in its training, it actually gets a certification. And then once it gets a certification, they have these rats wearing these little harnesses and they're attached to a cable and the cable kind of runs up and down the field that they're supposed to be detecting the mines on. And when I first read this story, I thought to myself, well, how do they, this this sounds kind of risky for the rat, I don't know. And then as I looked into it, um, trying to understand exactly what was going on, apparently the rats weigh somewhere around two to three pounds, and two to three pounds isn't enough weight to trigger a landmine. And uh, this one little rat that got the gold medal uh, was doing this for years. I guess their lifespan is about eight years, which is long for other rats. And I think this rat was at this job for six or seven years. And he's still with us. Nothing bad happened to him. And he had a tremendous success rate of of finding these these mines. And there are parts of the world, and I think this particular rat was used in Cambodia, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, And if there's landmines where people are, it can have devastating results. So um, to have a little rat go around and clear these areas is a tremendous service and, you know, something that I didn't actually know about. And I was watching videos of this little rat doing his job. (laughs) And it kind of reminded me of dogs that do uh, search and rescue or, um, you know, detecting... um, I don't know, whatever they might be detecting, that drugs or smuggled food items or other such things. And, uh, you know, honestly, this little rat guy was doing just as well as any dog I've ever seen, maybe even better. And the fact that they're so tiny um, gets them into spaces and areas safely where they're not triggering things. And so I thought, wow, well, that's pretty good. And so they, they took this little metal and they shrug- this I don't even know what it was made out of, but it looked like a little tiny Olympic gold medal, and it was hooked to this little rat's harness. <laughs> and he was wearing this little medal. It was kind of funny. Anyway, he he's uh, since been retired, um, but you know I don't think we think of rats in that capacity. But um, just kind of along those same lines, um, I've had people tell me their experiences with having rats for pets. And again, people don't necessarily think of rats as a pet. People think of hamsters or guinea pigs. Um, And in reality, rats are much more social, more easily trainable, and more interactive than other types of pocket pets. And um, I've had people tell me stories like they'll let their rat run around and they'll call them and they'll actually come to them like a little dog. (laughs) And if you go on YouTube, you can watch videos of people that have trained their rats to run little agility courses and um, do very cute tricks. Uh, So I guess, you know, you might have to if it makes you squeamish because of their tail, um, you know, I don't know. Some people are just never going to get over that or think of rats as being cute. Uh, But there are actually 
a variety of different types of rats. And this is awful, but a lot of the rats that you might see in a pet store are there to for people to buy that they feed to their snakes, which I'm not like a big fan of that. But um, those particular rats aren't bred to be pets. There are people that take their pet rat fancy quite seriously. And there is an organization called the American Fancy Rat and Mouse Association. (laughs) And they have shows for rats, just like there's dog shows. Um, I don't think there's any performance events like they have at dog shows. Dog shows have agility and obedience and rally and stuff like that. But you know what? Maybe they should add that considering that they can uh, do all of these various types of tricks. But uh, they have standards of what the rats are supposed to be like. Um, They have different breeds of rats and different types of colors and coat color. Um, And one of the varieties of rats that I have seen in the past that uh, I thought was very cute. It almost looks like a little cartoon animal. Uh, it's called a Dumbo rat. And a Dumbo rat has really large ears, I guess like Dumbo the elephant, and they're very round and they're set a little lower on the animal's head. That, so they're not quite on top of their head. They're a little on the side. So that's why they almost look like a little cartoon animal because they look sort of like a caricature of what you would expect a, a rat to look like. And um, I've seen people's reaction to looking at those particular rats who are especially cute and not having the same sort of yeah, a rat kind of a reaction. <laughs> but anyway, um, having read that article about uh, the little hero rat and then remembering people who have rats for pets and sharing with me how much they enjoyed them as pets and all the various things that they were able to get them to do and how cute and interactive they were, I just thought I'd throw that out there. And so if you're thinking about getting some little pocket pet for you or your child or something, uh, you probably want to check out um, this, the American Fancy Rat and Mouse Association. I'm going to put that as a link on my website, which is www. Lori Fass Dog Training because they I checked out this link and it has a tremendous amount of information, resources on care and where you would get a pet rat and a lot of information that you wouldn't even know existed. Um, but I just thought, uh, you know, that might be something that people might want to know because sometimes people want an animal that's easy care, uh, at least compared to a dog. Um, a cat may be a little bit more independent, but, you know, still maybe I don't think you're going to take your um, your cat and put it in a cage for a few hours while you go out. Um, but uh, anyway, I just thought that was interesting information. And if you're interested in getting some sort of little pet like that, uh, that might be something that you might want to check out. Okay, so I think I think we're going to go to a break, and we'll, we'll be right back. Dog. 
WTIC's Pet Talk. My name is Lori Fass, and I'm here today to talk to you about your pet's behavior. So this is a call-in show, and I'm here live in the studio, and you can call in. The lines are open, and the numbers are 860-522-WTIC or 800-966-WTIC. So the 860 is 522-WTIC. And the 800 is 966-WTIC. And I always invite people to contact me off the air. Sometimes people have a question, but it's kind of awkward. Just they're busy doing something. They can't get to the phone. Or maybe they're embarrassed to call into the radio because everybody's going to hear you. (laughs) Um, So if you want to ask me something or contact me, but you don't feel like calling into the show or you can't for whatever reason, uh, you can contact me off the air. And then I would just encourage you to go to my website, which I mentioned earlier, Lori Fass Dog Training, and uh, you can find all of my contact information on, on my website. Okay, so one of the things that I had mentioned on the air I think it was the last time that I was on the air a couple of weeks ago. And as you may know, this show in uh, kind of takes turns. I take turns with uh, Dr. Dennis from the Bloomfield Animal Hospital. So uh, every other week I'm on and every other week she's on. So a couple of weeks ago, one of the things that I brought up is behaviors that should not be ignored in puppies. And I you know, touched on it with a little bit of detail, but I didn't get into it too much. And somebody had asked me, uh, one of the people that listened to the show that happens to also be uh, a student of mine, what I meant by that, and they didn't quite understand what I was saying. So I think it's important enough that I'm going to bring it up again and just get into a little bit more detail. Uh, One of the things that uh, I said you should not ignore with a puppy is any sort of shyness or fearfulness. Um, There are certain kinds of puppy behaviors, zoomies, silly, mouthy, chewing stuff that over time your dog will probably just outgrow. Um, But I think that sometimes people think that dogs will outgrow everything, and that's not true. And if you don't address it, you really miss a very important window of opportunity. So I'm saying not to ignore fearfulness in a puppy because puppies are so much more malleable. Uh, There's actually stages of development that um, go away after a certain amount of time. So I think I mentioned this before, so if you heard me say it, sorry, but I think it's worth repeating. So, for instance, if somebody takes in um, a wild animal, they're a wildlife rehabilitator, they purposely do not handle the animal. So the animal will become uncomfortable with people so that when it's released in the wild, it remains uncomfortable with people. And the opposite, if an animal gets too much human interaction, they get too familiar with people. So if you have a puppy who, by nature, is maybe a little shyer or a little bit more uncomfortable with things, as a young animal, they have this malleability to adjust to things that once they get to a certain age, it's almost like their opinion about these things have been formed. And the amount of difference that you can make at that age is very minimal. 
And so when people call me, they have a year-old dog or a two-year-old dog, and they are talking about socialization, you know, in a, in a way that ship kind of sailed at that point. And I'm not saying that you can't make a difference and you can't do something, but the amount of difference that you can make with a puppy is is quite profound. And so um, when people, for instance, I was working with a puppy that uh, when I reached out for the puppy, the puppy recoiled and wouldn't let me touch at all. And uh was quite afraid. And I said, this is a problem. You need to right now get this puppy out around as many people as possible. Uh, You can bring treats. And the puppy was young enough and small enough that she could actually pick the puppy up and hand the puppy to people. So the puppy would be being held by somebody. And at that age, even though it's frightened, it's Very unusual for a puppy at that age to, even though they're frightened, to start biting and doing horrible stuff. But if you waited past a certain point and did the same exact thing and the dog was older, uh, you know, and you're handing your dog, of course, it gets to a certain size. You're not going to hand a 50-pound dog to somebody and say, hey, would you get friendly with my dog? (laughs) I mean, that's just not realistic. Um, And once a puppy meets somebody for enough times that they recognize that person, then you're no longer socializing the dog. So people sometimes say, oh, well, you know, my puppy knows my friend and my mother and, you know, my neighbors come over. Okay, well, oh, that's great. But you're done with that. You have to move on. So I tell people, have your puppy meet at least three new people every single week and kind of push it a little bit. Actually hand them off to somebody, you know, have them hold the puppy, have them hold their leash next to them and don't get all up in their face and, oh, puppy, and go over their head and nothing like that, but just kind of nonchalant. And I can tell you from personal experience that when people have aggressively pursued that, it's made a tremendous difference in the dog's personality and temperament as time goes on. And so that is not something that you want to just say, oh, my puppy's shy, it'll outgrow it. Uh, No, it probably won't. So if you have a puppy that is shy like that, you definitely want to jump right on that. Okay, so we have some callers, and we'll see um, which button I need to push to get them on the air. So we're going to try. All right, we're going to try Harry. Hi, Harry. Hi. Oh, I pushed the right button. Yay. (laughs) Okay, what can I do for you? Well, my problem is probably one you've uh, answered before, but I haven't heard the answer. Okay. Unfortunately, uh, I have a cat, a tortoise shell. He's about six or seven years old. He's a rescue. Is it a male or a female? Male. Okay, that's unusual. Did you know that? It's unusual that he's a male? Yes. I didn't know that. Yeah. Usually tortoise shell are female. Oh, he better be a male. I call him (laughs) King Tut. (laughs) Okay. Well, he might be, but it's unusual. Okay, continue. (laughs) Okay. And uh, I've had him, uh, as I say, uh, half a dozen, about about six years, and he's always uh, done his job in the litter box. And all of a sudden, in July, he started going on the rug. Is it pee or poo? Both. Oh, really? Yes. Okay. And um, has anything changed in your house? 
Not at all. You don't have any new pets. You didn't remodel anything. You don't have new people living there. No. Um, and uh, <laughs> he, he, he was uh, going in the downstairs bathroom on the rug there. <clears throat> nice of him to go in that room. Huh? And, uh, of course, when I discovered it, I pulled the rug up and... Uh, took it to the laundry and washed it and put it down again, and he did it again. Well, I guess you're going to be doing a lot of laundry here. <laughs> All right, well, let me ask you this. Um, this is a weird question, but what no. is the consistency of the poop? The consistency. Yeah, is, in other words, is it squishy? It's, it's is, it real, is it very hard? Well, by the time I discover it sometimes, it's hard. Okay, because um, if it's very hard, it might be a constipation issue. Oh, really? Yes. Okay. And okay. Uh, so when you have a six-year-old cat and they're not, I mean, usually it's pee and often there's a urinary tract infection associated with this. So we want to make sure that that's not happening. Right. Okay. So we might want to get um, a pee sample to the vet, and they may have to take the pee sample themselves. But I would eliminate that as a possibility, okay? Okay. Uh, then I w what kind of food does uh, your dog eat? <clears throat> uh, not your dog, your cat. cat. <laughs> your cat. <laughs> what kind of food does your cat eat? Well, in the beginning, I started getting him uh, um, dry food and wet food, and he let he didn't want the wet food. He let it go to waste. Okay. So I stopped giving him that. And that may be part of the reason he's getting a little constipated now. All he has is dry food. Right. So dry food is going to tend to make him more constipated. Really? Yeah. Well, okay. Because okay. sometimes cats don't eat enough um, or drink enough. and uh, He so... drinks quite a bit of water. Does he? Okay, well, I'm going to have to tell you something real quick here because we've got only 10 seconds. Or, you know what I can do? How about if I put you on hold and come back after the break? Okay, thank uh, you. All right, that's what we're going to do. Hold and on. We'll be right back. WTIC's Pet Talk. Uh, before the break, I was talking to Harry about his cat, uh, who's having some litter box issues, and we'll get right back to him in a second. And we also have Doug on hold, who has a question about whether or not a sugar glider as a pet is a good idea. But I want to finish having a conversation with Harry before I get a hold of Doug. So let's go back to Harry. Hi, Harry. You still there? I'm here. Okay. All right. So anyway, um, yeah, I mean, cats can be really picky with their food. Um, I have a cat that was found about, she was probably about three months old. She had been abandoned. She was literally half dead. All she did was eat yeah. and, and sleep. And when I first got a hold of her, she was not fussy. 
whatever the food was, she's going to eat it, and a lot of it, because she was, like I I said, half-starved. Then since I've had her over the years, if I give her a flavor of food she doesn't like, she'll, oh, no, I'm sorry, I don't particularly care for that texture or flavor, I don't think so. (laughs) Okay, but I have found that there are certain types of canned food that she will like more than others. Okay, Uh so, you know, you might want to experiment with that. Uh, You could also take the dry food and put some oil on it, like coconut oil or, you know, some kind of... I don't think I'd use just plain old cooking oil, uh, but, you know, something uh, that would be nutritious like krill oil or salmon oil or something like that to help with the possible potential constipation. Now, some cats, if you put if you fiddle with their food at all, they're going to turn their nose up at it. But for the most part, if they get hungry enough, they're going to eat it. But I, I'd like to see her try to, uh, or him, uh, see him get um, something, some kind of moisture or oil in his food to address the possible issue of him being constipated, um, then I would definitely check to see if uh, he has any, or sh- yeah, if he has any urinary tract issues. Because that, when you have a cat that's been very good about using the litter box, and then at age six all of a sudden doesn't use the litter box, then right. that really is a red flag for some sort of health issue. I get it. Okay. So we want to eliminate that. So now that having been said, even if it is a health issue, it could now sort of morph into having a life of its own. Now we've got a problem. So what you might want to do is um, temporarily, while we're trying to resolve this issue, get multiple litter boxes, uh, put one in the bathroom, uh, and, you know, it doesn't have to be permanent, but, you know, put enough litter boxes in various places, any place where the cat has gone, and then over time you're going to kind of gradually wean it down to, I would suggest, two litter boxes. Okay, I get it. Um, and then there's also a product that's called Cat Attract, and I have a link to it on my website. And you can either get um, the... Litter itself, or uh, you can get some stuff you can sprinkle on the litter, and it's um, various different types of smells that cats find attractive, hence the name Cat Attract, and it's supposed to encourage them to want to use the litter box. So, I get the uh, idea. Yeah, so I think I would do all of those things and right. see what happens when you put those things together. Because yeah, I love him dearly, but I, when he does that, I'd like to throw him out the door. Yeah, well, you know, as much as we love our pets, they're almost always doing something annoying. <laughs> <laughs> but I would definitely check into the health thing because, as I say, any animal that's been good and then all of a sudden changes their behavior, that's often a sign that there's something physical going on. Well, thanks a lot. Okay. Well, I hope that's helpful. It is very much. Thank okay. you. Okay. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay. Hi, Doug. Are you still there? Hi, Doug. You still there? Yes, I am. Can you hear me? I can hear you, but you know, I got to get my button pushing skills up to par. I've been, <laughs> been uh, away from the studio for a while. I'm likely to push the wrong button. So anyway. Um, yeah. Well, thanks for taking my call. Oh, no problem. Uh, so I see that you were asking a question about whether a sugar glider would be a good pet. Is that the question? Yeah, you know, I met somebody several years ago, and she had some, and she was just, 
she just raved about how much fun it was to have and <laughs> so on and so forth. And I, I looked them up online. I've looked at them several times. Well, they are very like cute. The coolest little pet. Yeah. Yeah, they are very cute. Okay. Well, I mean, they're considered to be exotic pets. And so that means that um, some of the care requirements might be something that are a little unusual. And so you'd really have to research that. Uh-huh. Also, um, I understand that they are, they tend to be nocturnal. So, you know, they might be sleeping a lot of the time when you might want them to come out and play. <laughs> and, uh, you know, they, they're sort of night owls. They have those big eyes, which are, I guess, good for seeing in, in the dark. And I also understand that um, they're very social. And if you have one, you probably want two. Oh, is that right? Yeah. So I think that, uh, you know, that's, they don't like really being by themselves. Uh, I'm not saying it'd be impossible to have one by itself, but I think it'd be a lot happier if, if you had the two. But then the question becomes, okay, well, let's say you get a sugar glider. What exactly are you going to feed it? You know, you're not going to go down to the pet store and pick up uh, sugar glider food. <laughs> it's not there. So you have to make sure that you understand exactly what to feed it, and that's going to require a little bit of research. And then you yeah. might also want to find out what, veterinarian might treat a sugar glider and i'm sure not all of them do and i think i would want to have that in place too if there was ever a problem so if there was a problem i'm not scrambling at the last minute to try and find help because Uh i'm not sure you know again it's not the type of pet that you can just oh well you know my dog or cat or even your horse or something like that more common pets so i wouldn't say to you oh absolutely you better not get a sugar glider but i would say that you should probably do a little more research um, and they may involve a lot more care and time than you want to put in Uh, the friend that you had that so much enjoyed them um, i'm sure she put a lot of time in so what somebody might consider fun Somebody else might consider a pain in the neck, <laughs> okay? Uh, so I don't know. About, do you know anything about training them? Like, I mean, she would tell me that she'd put her put, put her, one of the gliders in her shirt pocket and uh-huh. go outside and do her thing. And Well, I think, you, you know, I mean, I, again, if, they're, if they are um, primarily nocturnal, probably if it's in her pocket and it's in the daytime, it's sleeping, <laughs> I'm going to guess. Uh, okay. But I think if you do that... You know, it's all well and good that she did that, but I think sugar gliders are illegal in the state of California, and part of the reason for that is because if they get loose and start flying around, that they're sort of become like an invasive species. So I wouldn't, I couldn't guarantee that if you put a sugar glider in your pocket, unless if you had a secure pocket, it couldn't get out of that. Oh yeah, it's going to be fine. It's not going to climb out of there. It might. I don't know. I, I always like to think the worst case scenario and be prepared for that. But I, you yeah. know. Go ahead. I was yeah. I was just kind of wondering, like if I took them outside, and I was just sitting outside, kind of horsing around with them. Well, I don't think you know. You're not going. (laughs) Is he going to come back? I wouldn't. I would not take a sugar glider outside like you would, you know, a puppy. And even with a puppy, I like them to be trailing something that you can grab them with. Um, But I think you know the idea that they're illegal in the state of California suggests to me that if they get outside, they're probably going to take off. Yeah, okay. And it's good, you know, so uh, I guess you what you should do is do a lot more research and find out a little bit more about, you know, what's involved with this. Because, I mean, they are very, very cute, but if your yeah. fantasy about what having one would be like 
does not match the reality. It's like bunny rabbits. They're actually considered to be sort of an exotic pet because they have a lot of requirements that people don't even think that they have. Uh, And they're voracious chewers. So if you let them run around, they could chew your chair leg and your wires and all sorts of things. And they're not particularly happy being in a cage all the time and a lot of people don't know that and there are certain care requirements even for a rabbit that people don't take into consideration when getting one um so did you hear me talking earlier about um uh, rats (laughs) i I heard the end of it oh okay yeah you could look into that too they'd be there's there's different um there's i mean they're they're most likely going to be an easier pet but you have to think about what do you, what time do you want to put in here you know what kind of investment do you want to put in as far as the yeah, housing and, and care and, yeah and this is my I, i'm in sales right? so I, I i'm out during the day and i go to people's houses and i <laughs> measure houses and stuff like that uh, so you're gonna have a little sugar and, glider in your pocket that's gonna jump right. out <laughs> unexpectedly well, only because how cool is that? Well, you know? it, it might scare the bejesus out of somebody. <laughs> might be cool, but... <laughs> but but it makes me memorable, and and it's a companion to have with me in my car all day. Well, you know? I could see where that would sounds like it would be really fun, but I think it prob my guess is that fantasy would probably not meet with reality. <laughs> and I could just imagine, you know, you're going into Starbucks for a coffee, out pops your sugar glider, it's hanging out, people are screaming, it's jumping into the coffee cups. I mean, this well, could I, get ugly. One, I don't I don't do Starbucks. Oh, okay. Number two, I wouldn't I wouldn't bring my glider into a restaurant. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. Well you gotta draw anyway, the line I somewhere. Right. Okay. Well, just do some more research, okay? Well, no, I I think you talked me off the cliff. All right. All right. Okay. (laughs) Thanks. Thanks. Bye. All right. Bye-bye. Okay. So anyway, I don't know if he's going to end up with a sugar glider or not, but I think maybe we need to go to a break. You! Problem with my music here. <laughs> okay, well, welcome back to WTIC's Pet Talk. Um, I guess I brought in a CD that was skipping, but you know, if I'm not doing that, then I'm pushing the wrong button. So I'm technologically impaired over here. What can I tell you? I still use a flip phone. <laughs> okay. All right. So anyway, um, okay. So. One of the things that uh, I had talked about earlier, and I just want to make sure everybody knows you're listening to Pet Talk on WTIC. This is a call-in show. We've got, well, I don't know, eight more minutes, so I should share the numbers, uh, 860-522-WTIC or 1-800-966-WTIC. So I'd be happy to talk to you if you call in now. The lines are open, and that'd be great. Uh, and next week is the veterinary edition of Pet Talk, and the week after that, I'll be back on again. But I'm just going to go back over something that I had touched on earlier, which was the topic of behaviors not to ignore with puppies. And earlier, I was talking about that you should not ignore it if your puppy is shy, and I talked a little bit about what you're going to do about that. 
And the other behavior that you should not ignore is if your puppy is acting in an aggressive way. And sometimes there's there's different degrees of aggression, but if you have a very young puppy, you know, we're talking two to four month old puppy and even five, six month old puppy, still a puppy who is showing their teeth and getting stiff and growling and not allowing you to take toys or touch it when it's eating. Um, that's something you want to address immediately. That is not something you want to wait until your dog is uh, full grown to try and address. Uh, I often um, work with people who have adult dogs with these types of behaviors and, you know, they love their dog. They want to keep their dog. But I ask them questions about when this first started to appear. And very often it appeared quite early and they tried to ignore it and work around it and try and change the subject and not take. So, for instance, oh, well, you know, I can't take this toy away from my dog or I'll just give it a treat and distract it. But I really can't. And I'm afraid to do this and I can't. I can't hold its foot and I can't cut its nails and I can't do this and I can't do that. And not only is it squiggling around, but now it's getting snappy and maybe, you know, actually nipping, uh, baring teeth, that kind of thing. Um, but they, yeah, they were able to just kind of blow it off. That's something that over time will get worse. That is not a puppy behavior that's just going to go away if you ignore it. And if you think about it, when would you rather deal with this? When your dog is small and impressionable and easier to manage or wait until they're full size and now we have got a serious problem? And very often people call me uh, at a point where the dog is actually taking a bite and sometimes quite seriously. Um, if it's too serious, it, it enters into a range of, this is dangerous. We can't even have this dog anymore. Um, and there are dogs that are like that, regardless of what you do. They're kind of few and far between, thank goodness. But I'm just saying, if you're afraid of your puppy, you can't comb their fur. You can't take a toy. You can't touch their food. Do not ignore that. That's not going to go away. That is not a unique puppy behavior. Unique puppy behaviors are things like zoomies where a dog gets a certain, puppy is a certain time of day and they start zooming around and acting all crazy. A puppy behavior is that everything goes in their mouth and they're just sort of chewing on this and chewing on that and they want to eat all sorts of ridiculous things. I suppose there are some older dogs that do that too, but most older dogs are not, you know, chewing up your shoes and, uh, chewing the furniture and stuff like that. Uh, something similar to that, not, I don't consider this, well, I guess it could be a potentially serious problem, but it's not a puppy problem, is counter surfing, which basically means that your dog jumps up and takes stuff off the counter. Uh, some dogs are never big enough for that to be an issue, but uh, I just met, I just thought of this because I just met somebody last week that had a puppy Bernie's Mountain Dog who was about maybe nine months old, who was behaving just very boisterously, uh, and that's why I was there. And they also had an older Bernese Mountain Dog, and one of the things that I was asking about with their puppy was, was he trying to take stuff off the counter? And we were talking about strategies that we were going to do uh, to solve that problem before it became a chronic issue. And I asked if their other dog did it, and they told me that the other dog used to do it all the time, 
And the only reason that the dog didn't do it anymore was because the dog was too old and arthritic and couldn't do it. Okay, so that was something that obviously the dog only outgrew by virtue of the fact of physical impairment. Uh, I remember somebody telling me uh, they had a Labrador, and I think the dog lived to be 13. And um, I don't know exactly what caused the dog to pass away, but I do know that the day that the dog passed away, the do- on that very day, <laughs> at 13, the dog jumped on the counter and ate her lunch. So obviously not something your dog's going to outgrow because there's all sorts of good stuff on the counter. And where it becomes a problem, aside from the fact that you might miss your lunch, is um, I have known dogs to jump on counters and eat dangerous things like oven mitts that then needed surgical intervention um, or ate so much stuff that they got pancreatitis. Uh, There's, you know, there's a lot of hazardous things. So counter surfing is, I don't consider it as serious an issue. It's something that can be solved when your dog is older. uh, And it's not the same kind of thing as uh, shyness, which can be profoundly changed based on early intervention and aggression, which can be, very difficult to handle as an adult dog. It's more of an it's more of a nuisance behavior, but it's not dangerous or something that we still can't train. But it's something that a puppy isn't necessarily going to just outgrow. So you know, like I said, there are there are a lot of things that puppies do outgrow, and a lot of things that they do not. And uh, you know, if somebody calls me and asks me questions. You know, the, the, I think that needs to be put into some perspective because there are certain kinds of things that just really are best to just try to manage and ignore and, and, and bear with it. Because having puppies and having kittens, um, as cute as they are, they can be seriously annoying. And the earlier caller who thought it might be fun to have a sugar glider, um, I don't know. That could, that could morph into seriously annoying awfully fast if, if it's waking up in the middle of the night and rattling things and... I don't, I've never had a sugar glider. I don't know enough about them to be more specific. But, you know, I'm just saying. Puppies and kittens, maybe sugar gliders, annoying. But you, there's a lot you can do about it. So anyway, you're listening to Pet Talk, and we're just about at the top of the hour. And next week, as I say, is the veterinary edition, and I'll be on the week after that. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network, from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? 
Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.